Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Zero Lift. I have regained hosting duties. Huzzah. Yeah, Lenny, you did an excellent job. The king is our... dead. <laughs> I was never a king. I'm a man of the peasants. I was and, saying uh... I was me. Me, I was the king. <laughs> me, baby. Me. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am a man of the peasants. Uh, those of the shipbox and the minivan driving. <laughs> Non-super gearhead, hypercar driving people, and I'm here for you. Ironically we enough, just found your show nickname because Lenny's Mister Zero Lift. You can be man, the man of the shit box, man of the shit people. box. I love it. King of the shit boxes. King uh, of the shit boxes. The people's hey man, champ. The people's champ. People's champ. 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 I love That's it. That's what I am. I am. I'm out here driving my minivan. Uh, it's all good. Hopefully so not for long. I hope not. Hopefully, I have a type R by the end of the year Ooh. so you're we're here with ryan that's me your lovely host man of the people mr zero with himself lenny hey yo and uh think like ted john hey T- ted lasso icon to us all there you go keep it positive folks so uh tonight we are talking about cars you can't buy that is because not because they're too expensive because they never went into production we did have an issue with this so we said screw it we're going to talk about some more of them uh, we're also go- going to uh, have John explain something that explains itself in the name. It could be pretty interesting. And at the end, we're going to see which one will survive, and we'll find out what that means. So that's what we're talking about tonight on Zero Lift. And you can check us out on Instagram and Twitter at uh, zeroliftpodcast.eth. Hit us up. Let us know if we're doing awesome or bad. Let me know if you're uh, of the people or you're with the king over there. Uh, yeah, and you can follow me at at Mr. Lift. Mr. Zero Lift. Wow, I messed that up. I messed yeah. up my own name. Hey, Mr. Zero Lift. There it is. You follow got me. It. Yeah, and I just sit in my basement and drink corn liquor and bourbon, so you can't follow me anywhere. That's perfect. <laughs> can't follow you anywhere because you're not walking straight. That's right. <laughs> so that's what we're talking about tonight. But real quick, let's talk about uh, what we did this week. Uh, Lenny, I think you had talked to somebody in person about a particular object and wanted John to give an analysis on it. So take it away. Uh, yeah, a fellow GTR owner. I'm starting it off early with the drinking game, so yeah, better take a shot for that. Go. Yeah, so a local G- GTR owner, uh, he reached out to me uh, and asked for oil filter relocator slash oil cooler kit recommendations. Um, and so... We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But uh, I, I gave him my uh, recommendation. It was the Gretty Grex kit. Um, and I wanted to talk with John here about what his recommendation was as uh, he might have a different opinion or what he likes. John, what do you think about that? Yeah, so the kit I have on my personal GTR is a little weird. Um, it's a Grex block and I think they have custom lines because I have it like we, I actually have a hole cut out of the stock under tray and the oil filter like slots in like real nice. It looks like it's supposed to be there. And my filter is or filter that my uh, cooler is around front in front of the intercooler. Um, so I think mine's a little custom job. Oh, yeah, it's weird. But um, if you're looking at. You know, if you're looking at starting over, there's a part of me that would want to just do it myself, like buy a block to mount to where the old oil filter is. For those of you that don't know, 
In an RB26, the oil filter is in a horrible place underneath the intake manifold. You have to do a handstand. Hopefully, you're a gnome, and you might want to <laughs> say a prayer to the Pope. And, uh, you know, exercise. Sounds like you should be an Italian. It's, yeah, yeah. Or, or a Japanese yeah. person. Um, so it's, yeah. it's really wicked where uh, Nissan engineers managed to put the oil filter uh location yeah on the gtrs uh like it's right in between the right metal fender wall yeah. and this where the subframe meet almost and yeah. so like unless you have the hands of a child of a seven-year-old there's no way that you're getting your hand onto that oil filter to begin with let yeah, alone like enough leverage to pry it off. To pry it off, yeah. yeah and, so I'll have my eight-year-old crime underneath my GTR and then just, you know, attempt to pry it off, but he won't have enough force to get to it. Yeah. Honestly, like, if I'm looking at it practically speaking, the oil filter change on any GTR, we're talking the BNR32, the BCNR33, which uh, this owner, Mike, uh, he's he's local GTR owner, uh, and also a member of Rev... Match podcast. Check them out at Red Map Podcast. Red Be- Rev Match. Wow, I'm really bad at English today. Anyway, um, <laughs> also the 34, uh, like all, all the oil filter positions on all 30 on all GTRs are are pretty bad. So, um, an oil filter relocator and an oil cooler kind of combo is almost a necessity in GTR ownership, I would say. Yeah, so what it is, yeah, what it is, Ryan, is it's a little block that bolts onto where the oil filter did, and then there's okay. lines that come out of it, like literally hoses, and then you can mount a new oil filter anywhere you want. And so you can just put it in the spot where you can just spin it right off. So um, I was going to say, so this would apply then to any sort of Japanese owner, like I have a van, and I mean, the oil filter could be in a bad place. It would apply this could apply to, to any, car. any car. It's any car. Any it's car. It's not a Japanese car specific, yeah. But yeah, like, I mean, but... Yeah, like on my RX-7, I didn't do that because the oil filter is oh, okay. like right there. Like you open the hood, you're like, hey, oil filter, and you just take it off. Good job, Mazda. Good yeah. job. Um, but on this car, it's a nightmare. And like, also like the new 86 the, doesn't need it because the oil filter is like right there in front of the engine, the motor. Yeah. But yeah, like uh, in GTRs, it's a pain, right? And not everybody wants to have two people do an oil filter change. And so like the yeah, oil filter uh, relocator is a necessity just because of convenience. Uh, then two, it's kind of like a two, uh, you kill two birds in one stone kind of way. Um, and so it like kind of provides excess uh, or like access to rerouting oil to the oil kilter, oil cooler uh, in a race sort of application. Um, and so for those, you know, who like to occasionally track their cars, it's, it's a good kind of a double win, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, you you can add a uh, add a cooler while you're doing the filter relocation, and then that's just an obvious Benny. Uh, you don't want to get really serious into track racing with any kind of high horsepower RB26 without an oil cooler. I would argue almost any engine, um, but definitely the RB26. You'll overheat the oil quickly. 
Um, so what it sounds so, like is this is a solid modification choice for those that want to drive high performance vehicles because obviously you want to maintain your oil, otherwise your uh, engine will explode in a tunnel. Well, and a lot of modern yeah. cars already have some kind of cooler, but so we're just talking about the Skyline specifically. But yeah, the theory yeah. applies to anything. Um, yeah, and I, I recommended the Grex slash Gretty because I think the it's the same company that makes it, and I I recommended that kit specifically because it's the oil filter. Uh, and the oil cooler and all the lines uh, needed for that. And so like it's a kind of complete kit, whereas some others, like the Tomei, I think is only the oil filter relocation and not the oil cooler, so you have to buy that separately. Uh, then there are also like some other Gucci ones, like the ARC that John loves, but I don't really like because of the placement. It's just aesthetically not pleasing to me. So like it's that one is kind of like a skinny... Then one, kind of like a hot dog that sits right in the grill area. So, um, Excellent. Yeah, I like the ARC one because, like you said, it's up in the grill and it just makes sense. Like it gets the oil cooler out of the way of the flow of air, the intercooler and the radiator. And I can tell you on extremely hot days, I have a fat, like 100 millimeter trust intercooler and with the intercooler and the AC condenser and the radiator, and then you have an oil cooler in front of it. Sometimes when it's really hot, I don't get enough airflow in traffic to keep the AC going well, and I have to keep the car moving. Um, and that's that's a fact of life in a lot of situations, unless you do a lot of ducting and a lot of planning just when you start stacking so many different radiators on top of one another. And so the what I like about the ARC hmm. kit is that it puts that – oil cooler kind of above the rest of the radiators and kind of in its own airflow. Uh, I think the Grex kit that Lenny's recommending puts it in the bumper, like off to the side, which I also like. Um, it's just not quite as like, I don't know, ARC is kind of Gucci. I have an ARC radiator. I might feel some type of way about ARC. Um, I think it's creative, but the, you know, you got those two air intakes on the sides that don't really do anything. So like, putting an oil cooler in there makes perfect sense. Uh, I have a power steering cooler in one of them for mine, but I have a totally custom power steering setup. Um, so keep your car cool. Yeah. The, the thing that's good about the Gretty one, I think the filter relocation and the oil cooler, like complete kit is like 600 bucks, which is like half of most kits for this. Not bad at all. That's a pretty good price point. Yeah. I mean, it's expensive. I, I think the block itself is like a hundred dollars on its own. And, um, you know, if you wanted to try and do it better, you'd have to make your own custom lines yourself, which I do. And I don't have any trouble doing that, but if you've never done it, that can be a little intimidating. Um, but I like doing stuff like that and I get the rubberized fire sleeve and put it over the hoses and stuff. And it looks all Gucci Gooch. Um, so I mean that's an option, and you can probably like you could probably get an oil cooler for a hundred bucks. You could probably get the block for a hundred bucks, and you could probably build lines and stuff for one to two hundred bucks on your own. So if you're really trying to skimp and save a buck, you might be able to do it that way. But you have to be confident yeah. building your own lines. I don't know because like AN95 fittings are not that cheap these days. I don't know if you looked those prices up recently. I mean, and that's what I would recommend for those. Uh, sort of. Oh, no, you have uh, to get. You have to use AN fittings. You have to use dash ten AN fittings for that. Everything's going to be. Otherwise, you're going to. Yeah, those some, are those are like 
50 or 60 bucks a pop. I think, think that was much. Pretty... Last time yeah. I made lines, they were like 10 to 20. Um, but it's it that I mean that's per fitting though, and you got to think you got two per line, you got four lines, like it adds up very quickly. Yeah, you're you're talking eight eight fittings at the most. Yeah, or at the least. Yeah, yeah. It you is. guys lost me again. So eight now. Um, they're the Do you want me to connecting it? points. Uh, yeah, I can soapbox it. All right, so yeah. All right, we're 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 not talking yeah, about. We're, we're going to go down the rabbit hole. That explains itself yeah. here. So, if you're talking high performance plumbing, uh, you know, normally if you're doing plumbing, you yeah. put like the tape, Teflon tape around the threads, or you put some kind of paste on the threads, and that seals the threads, right? Makes sense. Okay. When you're talking high speed shit, um, it's called AN, which literally stands for Army Navy because these were originally a military specification fitting, and what cool. it is is it's threads. But the threads don't seal it. It has a 37-degree flange and a flare on each side. So you've got a male okay. and a female coupling, and you don't put any paste. You don't put any grease. You don't put nothing on them. You just put them together. You tighten them. They come with a special set of aluminum wrenches that are stubby so that you can put some force on it, and it'll apply, the, stubbies. Yeah, it'll apply the proper torque because if you put a big wrench on it and torque it down, you'll crush the ceiling Makes surface sense. and they don't seal mm-hmm. um, Makes sense and so mm-hmm. when you're doing high speed stuff these li- these fittings are very meticulously engineered and stuff and so they're expensive you know last time i checked they're like like for a straight plain fitting with no bins on it is 10 bucks for some of the more the last time i had to ones. buy a 90 degree an fitting it was 50 bucks I was for a ninety. I was gonna say twenty five, but that's still not cheap. Because think about this: yeah. one hose, one hose. You've got a fitting on one end, a fitting on the other end, and then you've got the hose itself. And a lot of these nice hoses, those can be like four or five bucks a foot. So wow. you got a three foot hose. Mm-hmm. You know that hose itself. If you build it yourself, because you got to order the fitting, order the fitting, order the hose. You got to cut it. You got to assemble it. And it, it it's takes some doing to assemble it. You're it was for a new ho- it was for a new hose and fitting for the GTR for the oil filter to oil cooler yeah. line. Yeah. Wow. And so, you know, you're talking that's at least a fifty dollar hose. And you know so I have a question. You're plumbing a car. You got ten hose. Oh yeah, that was a that was a three hundred dollar hose. Yeah, how, and, how much uh, fitment assembly that has to give you redo. Actually, how much how many extra ponies do you, or ducks do you get out so of this? Th- this this is really about like reliability. And like uh, optimization zero? in a racing sort of aspect okay. to it. Okay. All right. So, so like, hopefully uh, when it. when you're on the track, I'm gonna go deep here. I'm I'm gonna yeah. Sorry. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna wrap this up really quick. Okay. Uh, when you're on a track and like you're doing consistent hot laps or like one or two, um, and the oil temperature in your car is going to go higher right and so the oil cooler obviously does what it's the name is and and so um yeah it 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 i don't know how else to explain it it is what it what the description is hey like i said in the beginning it's basically it's explaining something that explains itself right look yeah no the oil oil gets hot 
right? Because oil is getting right. squished between friction surfaces inside the engine. Oil actually provides about 20 to 30% of the cooling of the engine besides the I cooling. I believe it. Um, and science. So, yeah. And so, you know, you literally have controlled explosions going on thousands of times per minute in your engine. And that oil that's getting pumped through the engine is whisking away this heat along with the gotcha. coolant. But the oil is helping to whisk away the heat. So the more you push your engine, the hotter the oil gets. When the oil gets hot, it gets thin. When oil gets thin, the film between the mechanical parts of your engine breaks down. And now you have metal on metal contact. So, so, so basically, this is more of a easy maintenance and switching out the oil that you're going to be burning into black mode. Because obviously, the 5,000 or 7,000 miles of modern car oil changes are not relevant to someone who's pushing their vehicle to maximum on a racetrack. So, I do about 5,000 miles per change under normal driving situations. Sure. Um, but what I also do with the GTR, just because it's a 30-year-old car and it's running high <laughs> boost, is I, right. is I smell it because my engine gets a decent amount of dilution due to gas. And so, Interesting. Uh, you know, I've found that if I'm doing track days or a lot of spirited driving after maybe 2,000 miles, my oil will smell pretty gassy, and then I just drop it and change it then. Um under normal, relatively pedestrian driving, I've done oil analyses with my car at about 5,000 miles, and the oil was fine. Like, it wasn't stellar, yeah. but it was fine. So I'm comfortable with a 5,000-mile interval. But otherwise, and if I'm doing spirited stuff, I just I smell it. That's not going to apply to most cars because most cars aren't going to be an old turbo car with some blow-by sure. on the rings, and it's not going to smell like gas. But, um, yeah, uh, yeah. You, you, oil will go longer than you think it will. Absolutely, I, I, I've known that even as a, as a noob. It's like they, they're just trying to make me buy more oil. So, I think that mostly covers what we're talking about there. Hopefully, we got some good recommendations out yeah. to Fred so Lenny. I would say, yeah, Gretty. Yeah, I hope so. Gretty, like I said, that's like six hundred bucks, and that's like half the price of most of the other big name kits out there. Um, Nismo makes one that's like fifteen hundred dollars, which is crackhead money. And it's not really not worth it, I think. The one thing the Nismo one comes with is ducting that you can bolt in to where it and it like vents air to it better. That's Ooh. cool. But there's a cat online called Leesk Leesk Spec. And this guy custom welds a bunch of stuff and he makes a ducting kit for the GTR. It doesn't apply to your oil cooler directly, but it's for your like radiator and intercooler and stuff. And if you're really serious about ducting, that kit's three hundred bucks and it's the jam. Wait a second. It, leak spec. Is that Stuart Leaks? Yes. Uh, so I've I've been following him for a few years, like not not to go down another GTR rabbit hole here really quick. But like he he does some actually really cool stuff. He does uh, some GTR specific stuff. Yeah. Like a uh, full titanium exhaust, uh yep. 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 an intercooler cooling panel kit I think he does that's what as I'm, well. No, that's what I'm talking about. He's got a full it's not just a cooling panel kit, it's a full duct kit. It's a 360 degree it creates a tunnel around your intercooler, AC condenser, and radiator and ducks it out. And it's like 350 bucks. And like you're not – you can go buy some cardboard and like try and do it better. You're not going to do it better. You can do it as well. But for like for what he's charging for it, man, you want to talk some ducting? Like that's that's that stuff right there. Got to get your plumbing yeah. in your car, folks. And we are not like. affiliated with Lee Spec. Stu, give daddy a taste, you know. But uh, – <laughs> 
We might have to get him on the podcast and ask him. I'm like, I've always, I've always been curious about his uh, exhaust, and like he makes the whole thing himself. Yeah, I don't, Um, I don't know the guy personally, but he, I have been around the GTR scene enough and seen enough cars with his stuff on it to know that like it's good stuff. Um, Good stuff. Word. And he's like a dude with a welder. That's what I like about him the most. Um, Yeah, I was actually tempted to learn some welding stuff because of how much welding goes into like watching production and like things of that nature welding is a big deal man like it's a lost art so besides getting on soapboxes john and talking about plumbing that was a huge one yeah sorry yeah do you have any uh do you have any news in your world uh for me like like news news um well yeah i mean like what you did this week anything interesting car wise i mean besides just getting my heart stomped on by cruel women um <laughs> that was pretty uh, the course for you bud uh yeah uh besides that uh the ducatis mostly back together i bought Excellent. some more farkles for it um look i'm gonna have to snap some pics of this thing when i finally get it together and like in the sun because that is going to be the yeah. trickiest looking uh, what is it going to be? 14-year-old bike you've ever seen in your entire life. I've got so much weird whiz-bang crap on it. Um, I'm, awesome. I'm, I'm started, excited. Yeah, I'm like looking at the garage. I'm like, dude. Dude. I, I think you need to take it from, from, from D.C. to Omaha. I think that's a, that's a test. Build a playlist and drive from D.C. I put to on, Omaha. I put on some handlebars that are a little bit higher, so it's a fair bit yeah, more comfy to sit on. But anyway. Yeah. We should we should get into the the meat and taters. Well, I you know with only me out here, I had to listen yeah, to yeah, soapbox yeah. about no, things that I don't understand. That's fair. That's people, you did things. You did car things this week. I always do car things. You got so here's the thing, folks. You got to realize I drive for a living. Um, we know. So, I mean, really, I know you should know. It's great. I don't drive the best cars, but I do drive cars. Uh, yeah, I mean, realistically, all I did was. Uh, I did 14 hours of driving the past two days. Um, that was quite exciting. Uh, through really high winds. And so really my big thing is uh, I was driving across South Dakota uh, to go to Rapid City from Omaha. And I was driving in 25 to 45 mile per hour wind gusts with a constant wind speed of 18 miles per hour. And in South Dakota, the, the um, speed limit is 80 miles per hour. And so it's really just, you know, this this – conditions of driving across the great plains i mean most people i'm sure in california won't experience that on the coast you may uh with the lake effect possibly up in the northeast area but it is something else man you got to be on top of it because your car is shifting constantly underneath you and i'm driving a honda crv <laughs> yeah. which is basically it's not like a it's not like a jeep wrangler it's not a pure box but like it was nuts and then today i'm driving in Actual temperature is 22, but it feels like 11, and I have cold air leaking out of the buttons for like my windows today. <laughs> driving home, it was oh my nuts, God. man. Yeah, so like straight up, I mean, and this is a GT touring Honda CRV. It's pretty nice, um, but for whatever reason, I don't know uh, why, but the door itself wasn't sealed properly, or the wind's coming straight north at 25 miles per hour. And I can feel the cold air literally leaking out of the window area of my door. Uh, so that was something else, man. It was I, fun. Uh, we, we're also dealing about. with some high winds uh, this week over here. Yeah. yeah. So crazy. I I recently there's a lot of them. I recently took a, a Cessna up to a 
and and landed at a airstrip kind of up in the mountains and the, yeah. he had a it's about the same wind conditions you were talking about but it was a straight crosswind so it was blowing sideways across the runway and it was yeah. like it was like a sustained like 15 knot wind that would like gust to like 25 and Oof. uh in a in a cessna Crazy. which weighs like two three thousand pounds um i'm on final and i have like full rudder to, like the full rudder pedal like pegged out trying to keep the airplane aligned with the center line and i could barely keep from blowing off the side of the runway. like it's <laughs> crazy it was sporty actually that reminds me it, and what's nuts too is i actually saw a helicopter we were coming out of uh the black hairs uh, black hill area just east of wall which is where wall drug is if you ever go to south dakota you will see the signs for it <laughs> and there was a helicopter in the air and i'm like looking at my watch which i have wind speed on and it was like yo it's 26 mile per hour like gusts still within wind. limits yeah, and there's still helicopter on. I'm like, I don't want to be in that. That is, that just seems not fun. So 26 is not fun, but like that's with well within limits. Yeah, it's I just seems. It was say, a small. It was like a Huey sized helicopter. I don't know helicopters like you guys do, but it was Huey sized. Huey's kind of big. It's probably like a Lakota. Yeah, I don't know what Lakota. It, uh, I fair. I will say I'm kind of spoiled with helicopters because I always flew a Black Hawk, and that's twenty thousand pounds. Right. That's, and a, that's a huge, right, that's yeah, a huge that's a little uh, thirty a thirty mile wind gust. I'm like, oh, what was that? <laughs> you flew, you flew Seahawks, not Blackhawks. It's literally right. the same thing. It's, it's literally the same thing. thing. Uh, you got as someone as someone who's Navy. crewed both. It's literally the same. Literally the, the same. The only thing. the only thing that's different is the position of the tail wheel. I would say. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, and actually, now and that, that I'm in, now that I'm in the guard, I do fly Blackhawks. So. Well, there you go. Fair Congratulations enough. on the promotion. That's right. Well, so, I'm, not, I'm not demoted yet, but well, that's another subject. <laughs> now you're promoted because you, now you're actually flying UHs, not CHs. Uh, I'm making the rock horns hand gesture for people that can't see. <laughs> Perfect. Look, so folks, much like helicopters, most of you will not be able to uh, fly one. These cars you can literally not drive because they are not in production. Now, I broke a rule when playing what I wish I was driving and messed up big time by picking a non-production car. This is a concept car. Hey, you which, own yes, it. Yes, I have. I'm glad it you own us, it. It has taken us a minute to get to this because somebody gave John soapbox keys. What up? And, uh, that was you. That, that was totally you. gave him the keys. You. I did not give him the keys to the soapbox. I did for the past two episodes. You gave him another soapbox. That's on you, Letty. So this GTR episode... GTR things, you know, you can't, you can't drink, avoid you GTR folks. things. If you don't know by now, if we say GTR, you got to drink water, GTR, GTR, beer, GTR. whatever it is. Don't Yo, doom the people. This, this bottle's in trouble. I'm, I'm almost I'm through a, it. I'm the man of the people. I'm looking out for him. So look, let's talk about concept cars. Uh, we have picked... Each of us has picked a concept car, one that you cannot buy. Uh, we are going to talk about basically the general specs of this car, why we picked this car, and like what went wrong. Why isn't this car something that we can actually drive, even though it's amazing, despite what your friends may think? Uh, it's great. So, Lenny, I think out the gate, you should take it away, being that your car is the lowest value if it went into production. Uh, you should take the gig. It's uh, an age before beauty thing, and I think your car I is. agree. <laughs> Uh, this car absolutely was supposed to, when it was revealed, uh, it was supposed to be like an, a revival of an everyday car classic, which was the Datsun 510. Mm. Those who don't know, the Datsun, Datsun is a Japanese car company, uh, from 
before the 70s that was acquired by Nissan and Prince Motors. Anyway, uh, that car was great in that it was lightweight. Uh, it had like a 1.5 liter engine. It had like a really small inline four engine in it. Um, but it, it was it's like a cult classic now. Uh, those yeah, who was... are restored, they're re- like really clean. Those there's slammed. There's a, a few track bred ones um, that you know surprisingly for the class do pretty well. For a, it's pretty lightweight car. Anyway, well, it's every two thousand. It's a day. You know what I mean? It's it was cheap. It was accessible. Yeah, it was an everyday good. car. They it was kind of like it. the skyline. Yeah, they campaigned the well, general well, purpose skyline. Right, and they campaigned it in some uh, in some touring racing and stuff. It was pretty successful. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a legend. It's an everyday legend. It's an everyday car legend. So it's so like it's a car I would drive. Okay, perfect. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so in 2013. Nissan revealed this new sort of concept. They called it the IDX. It was supposed to be sort of a sole successor revival to the Datsun 510. Um, and I think in design language, it absolutely does. It's it's almost like a it's it's like a retro styled revamp or like a refresh of that chassis. It's got the classic lines of the 510, and in that I mean like the A. And C pillar sort of windshield roof rear uh, windshield kind of lines. It, it's like and a, the uh, side mirrors too well. are also uh, are on the uh, hood almost yeah. too, which is nice. They're yeah. they're almost identical to the original design, which I really like. That it's that like transi- a, it's that like transition. A, it's like it's sedan like in its body lines, but it's like really light and kind of a sporty sedan kind of look. You know, it it doesn't have like a sloping back or anything. It's like a hood and a popped up cabin and a trunk, but just kind of condensed down, and it makes it look more it, it, agile. It looks hatchbacky, but it's a coupe. Yeah, yeah, um, yes, yeah, and it yeah, was, it looks very hatchbacky, but it's a coupe. It was pretty. It was it was, really it was very a very nice looking concept for yeah. you know. The and design it, language of Nissan, especially in 2013, I think. Yeah, and um, it was uh, received like the everybody went crazy for it. Everybody, nobody disliked that car. Yeah, it was it was really publicly accepted and endorsed rather quickly. I don't think anybody really had anything bad to say about it. Now there's a lot of buzz in like car blogs and stuff. Like Nissan's going to build this, and it's going to be dope. Everybody what? said. I think everybody said that Nissan should build it. Well, for a time, they said they were going to. They came out and said, we're going to build this. What happened then? Why is it that they we can't buy this car today? Uh, We don't really know. I think it comes down to money. Mm -hmm. The market at the time didn't really have the room for another sort of rear-wheel drive coupe or new sedan kind of model. I, I guess to say the market was saturated. But I think that Nissan kind of hit the... They were wrong in that sort of analysis because I think the market was begging for a car like this. Well, so there was a Reddit post that later got confirmed as being legit by a supposed engineer. And so basically the idea, what happened was the only plant that Nissan had that was tooled to do rear-wheel drive vehicles with a, um, a longitudinal engine arrangement um, 
was the Tochigi plant, which is what does like the 370Z and the GTR. And so they would have to get new tooling and build it there. You know, they had other plants elsewhere that were more economical, but they all specialize in like lateral front wheel drive engines. And they surmise that the market share for this car is really tiny, which I don't think they're wrong because this would be coming up right against like the Toyota 8.6 territory, maybe a Mazda Miata, which isn't a huge market segment. And they just decided the amount of money that it would cost them to get their premier plant to make this budget model wasn't worth the potential profit margin. So I have a question because this car actually shares its 1.6 liter uh, inline four is shared with the Juke Nisbo, which is still in production. So does that have to do then not with the engine, but no, with no, no. the uh, no, 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 Dilly Bob to go with the way the engine's oriented? Because in the Juke, that's a okay. front wheel drive platform, so the engine is sideways. Ah, and in this car, it would be turned the other way, be facing front to back. And however they had the robots and the shit on their assembly line set up, they only have one plant that does front-to-back engines, and that's the premier sports car plant. And they would have to buy new tooling because those cars all use V6s. Um, Ah. Yeah, and they were just like, the amount of money it's going to take us to revamp our factory to produce this, and this is like... A small profit. Yeah, because it was going to be cheap. It was going to be a a base model, kind of like the 8.6 is. Yep. I really, I really think that Nissan missed a huge opportunity here because, uh, honestly, if I'm going to be front, the 8.6 is kind of a shit car. It's a great car in balance, but it lacks power. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it produces, what, 2 to 230 horse ponies? However many well, ducks that is. Well, it's 200, I just, and then the new one's going to be like 238, I think. Yeah. I just think that if Nissan entered that market at that time, like, it, it would have... By this point in time, we're talking from 2015 is when they probably would have put a a good production of the whatever the IDX uh, actually became the production name of into like till now. It it would have totally dominated the the market of of whatever the 86 was. Or at the very least, it would have pushed Toyota to further develop the 86 into something more than it is, i.e. put a turbo on the bitch. Yeah, see, seriously. <laughs> turbo on the ATX. You even have you even have the efficient audio himself, Mr. Jay Leno, right? Who said essentially that this car that, that they had cre- Nissan had created something simple and easy to drive, like the good old days, right? So this is a right. callback, right? It's it, it's the type of driving I would like. This it hit is it all the marks. Buddy, this is my type of car. This is a car of the people. It's cheap, it's fun to drive. I don't need all of the crazy moving oil pan garbo that you guys have with your GTRs. <laughs> I just want a car that's fun to drive. Perfect. I I'm looking. Me. I'm looking at the Winky here. It's supposed. To, it was supposed to have a the a, a six speed manual, albeit it oh, had a beautiful. CVT, the Nissan CVT, which uh, is is at the time terrible. At the time was not, but now it is. It's not terrible now. Yes, it was back in the early 2000s. Yeah, that's these guys. 2013, it was it was definitely terrible. Uh, for the for the people, what is a CVT? Constant variable transmission. It's basically yes. uh, I don't want to get into it. Into don't it, soapbox it. No, I'm not gonna soapbox it. It's basically like it's basically like the transmission is there's like a centrifugal clutch system in it. So where it's like you don't shift gears, it just the transmission locks up 
more and more as you accelerate. So the gear ratio is constantly variable. So like you can basically hold the RPMs at a specific RPM right. and your vehicle will speed up at that constant RPM. And this is a modern, This, by the way, most folks that are driving cars. Very are, good, John. Thank you. Yes, most. Thank you, John. Most people that are driving cars of, of this era are going to have a CVT now. And that's where the rev, your RPM stay the same. And you don't necessarily shift through it like you would a manual or a sequential gearbox. Um, and certain companies are better at CVTs. Uh, if you're a true gearhead, you will hate them. Uh, <laughs> all things considered. I hate them. Uh, yes. True <laughs> gearheads hate them. Right. True gearheads will hate CVTs. Your modern driver, it makes sense for you because it helps maintain your, your gas mileage right. and, and everything like that. So for your daily drivers, uh, CVTs are great for, I want to push this car. CVTs will drive you insane and make you pull your hair out. All right. So you've covered why uh, this car didn't go into production and the general stuff. Why, why did you pick this car, Lenny? What, what concept car, what about this made you want to kind of pick this? Uh I remember in 2013 when this car came out, I was living in Japan, and I actually had an opportunity to see this car, I think it was at the Tokyo Auto Salon, uh, the year after. So I saw this car, I've seen this, this particular concept in person, and it's definitely something that I would buy. And I told myself, and my girlfriend at the time, which is my, my now wife, uh, that if Nissan ever put this car into production, that I would be first on the waiting list to buy it oh, no matter what country it was uh, and she was like yeah absolutely and wow. that's why i love her that's perfect <laughs> well that makes that car cemented pretty well in the books for your car unfortunately i can't buy it ever no so <clears throat> we're yeah well maybe eventually they'll they'll phoenix it they won't they probably won't so john we're gonna go from <laughs> japan to america Ooh. with your vehicle Ooh. and uh, i i want to know give me the general specs on this car you've picked and right. why you picked it, and then let's get into the nitty-gritty of why they didn't make it. So, look, I should be going last because I'm about to introduce okay. you all to Daddy. But uh, Oh, hey, yeah. we're going H before beauty here, so I think mine's more expensive than yours. So, look, I picked the Ford, <laughs> the Ford GT90, introduced in 94 at the auto show circuit, right? It was Ford's. Detroit. Yeah, it was Ford's. Well, they took it to all the major auto shows, but it was Ford's. They tried. It is a proof of concept that Ford can build an exotic supercar. It's a spiritual successor to the GT40 of racing fame. Um, it kind of ended up as a quasi test bed for the Ford GT that would come out in the 2000s. Um, but they they went ham. They went his am on this. So it is a rear engine, rear wheel drive, chassis, and transmission, and most of the running gear is from the Jaguar XJ220 because Ford owned Jaguar. Ooh. Yeah. They owned Jaguar at the time. Um, it had a V12 5.9 liter dual overhead cam four turbo engine that made Jesus. yeah that made 700 12. 720 horsepower in the early 90s that's 100 more horsepower than the mclaren f1 um Excellent. and they said that Where was, was it. the power band well it was it was a 5.9 liter v12 man like it, it was fat it was it was torquey 
red redline was like 6500 rpm it was not a high rpm engine it was just power everywhere um and they said that it's rumored from the engineers that when they were they tested it with high boost they were making around 900 um Wow. Yeah, the engine was actually Holy. yeah, it was actually based on the mo- the modular the Mustang 4.6 liter V8 and they literally took two V8s, cut four of the cylinders off and welded them together. Um, That's amazing. To make the V12 and then they bolted some like T25 like small tur- four small turbos to it. Um it uh every time they let the press drive the car they welded the wastegates open so it didn't make any boost and it was estimated to make <laughs> it was estimated to make somewhere in the neighborhood of 450 to 500 horsepower with the wastegates open still impressive um that's gnarly and uh <laughs> the car supposedly had a top speed of somewhere between 230 to 250 miles per hour um it was one of the first cars in the world to feature active aerodynamics. So it had a rear spoiler that would automatically deploy at a certain speed. Uh, it was one Very of the cool. f- first cars in the world to have blind spot monitoring because if you look at this car, there is absolutely zero rear visibility. And so, zero. <laughs> yeah. No way. Um, so they had the freaking like a Camaro, dude. Yeah, they You're had the worse. They had the IR oh. lasers on the back quarters, and when something would come up behind you, the rear view mirror would flash red, um, which is nineties, folks. In yeah, nineties. Yeah, in the nineties. Like that's normal now, but they did that in the early nineties. Right. Ninety-five. Um, dude, Ford should remake this car. I'm saying. You know, hey, speaking of Ford, actually, you know what Ford has got going for them? They've got the EV. Ford F fifty. What are you F one fifty? What are you doing lighting. right now? God what are you doing it. right now? You're messing up my high. Seriously, you're messing up my high no, right really? now. Like, Seriously, you're killing the vibe. Ford is amazing. Killing the vibe. Ford is, no, I'm telling you, Ford is revolutionary, man. They've invested twenty million dollars in EVs, and uh, they're going to drop an EV Ford F one fifty. I'm excited. Anyways, back to the GC ninety. Well, yeah. So it had a, it was very ahead of its time. Apparently. Apparently the turbos. He told us he was going to put the EV F one fifty in this episode, and we told him he wasn't. Um, just for the record, no. It had uh, it. it made so much heat from the exhaust system with the four turbos. It was a plumbing nightmare that they actually put ceramic tiles in the engine bay to block the heat. Not unlike what they use on space shuttles. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, the. Uh, and, you know, the thing I like about it is that today it still looks like it's out of the year 3000. Like, the car looks crazy. <laughs> the, the One thing I will How say about, about this, this car. One thing I will say about this car is that, like, I find it comparable to the Bugatti EB110. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. In... In its audacity and as well as its its speed, yeah, like yeah, just looking at interior pictures, I like it harkens Italian. Oh, um, what is it? What, what's the what's the word like? A, like, just like gaudiness, like just opulence. Like opulence is, is what I'm looking for. I yeah. will say it's, it's Italian opulence. I don't it looks think, like, but I don't, it's American. I don't think they did as good of a job on the interior. So the entire interior is Ford blue, and it looks horrible. Uh, oh. <laughs> but <laughs> one thing I do think is dope is instead of a center console, 
they just have like exposed rails and the shifters just bolted to it and it's all open <laughs> in the open and i Jeez. there's a couple it looks cars. like a horatio pagani yeah yeah it looks oh, a lot like is horatio so ugly yes oh my word that blue is ugly Right, right, but imagine, hold on, now imagine that same interior, but it has, like, an Alcantara dash and, like, leather seats with maybe some contrasted blue yeah. stitching, and then I'm then I'm with it. <laughs> then I'm with it. Oh, God, this interior is god-awful. Right. No, it's bad. This it's is, bad. This has got to end up on the Instagram, Lenny. Oh, you got to put this on our Zero yeah. podcast Instagram. Yeah, I'm going to put it on. It, it, really, it really reminds me of, like, the Bugatti EB110 <laughs> on the outside and a... Horatio Pugani. This is one of the worst on the interiors I have ever seen. This is disgusting. <laughs> I like the I dials. Hate, uh, for the for the record, I do not like the Pagani Pagani oh, uh, interiors. I think it's really gaudy. It's really Italian. Yeah, I agree. I don't like Pagani's uh, interiors at all. Gross. Yeah. But but do you, John, do you know that the hardware just just the fat a small fact on the Pagani's that the hardware alone on those cars costs fifteen grand because they're all titanium. Jeez. That didn't surprise me at all. Uh, it's not. So We're John, talking like screws, nuts, bolts. I believe it. You got it. What made you pick the GT90, John, Bro. As, as your car? Besides, it's totally a U car. I yeah. mean, I can see it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just picked it because it's it's effing rad, bro. It's just so it's gnarly. Rad. It's yeah. gnarly. It rad. Um, that's that's really it. Like, it's one of those cars that you're like, you know, every now and then a car comes along, and you're like, oh my god, they built that. What yeah. dog? What? Um, that's and that's really it. That's why I picked it because it's nuts. Makes sense. It is, and, and I mean, it's built around a honeycomb aluminum monocoque, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's a it's a solid car. I think the, the rear end of it's kind of weird, but overall, solid choice. Thank you. Sir. So it's a, it's a special car. Thank you. It's a say. special car. I like it. And it's a successor to the GT40, which is a classic. Absolutely. To say it's a successor to the GT40, I think, is a stretch because, like, I mean, eh, you're not, where you're not wrong. It's pre- spiritually, spiritually, spiritually. Hey, spiritually. hey, hey! It's a British car with an American engine, so there you go. It there is a successor go. to a GT40. <laughs> now, so speaking of the British, okay. we've gone to the Japanese style with uh, Lenny. We've got the American style with John. I'm going to go ahead and go with. The British car that, in my opinion, looks like my favorite Japanese car. And this is the car of controversy. It is the one that I messed up a game with. It is absolutely got Lenny fired up. He's already sitting over there. I can see him dancing. It is the no, Jaguar. I'm finishing the bottle of the Mezcal. Please drink Mezcal. Anybody that drinks, please try Mezcal. It is the Jaguar XCX75. Now, I'm going to go into the specs on this uh, that I was – Cut off from when I abso- absolutely messed up the game by not picking a production car because I picked a concept car. Now, this concept car is amazing in the sense that it has the things that I thoroughly enjoy. It is in the pure concept style, has two diesel micro gas turbine engines. Um, but if you look at the actual full build out ones that they did for going towards production, it had a 1.6 liter twin charged and supercharged. Uh, four-cylinder engine, which is awesome because it does a thing I like, which is revs really high. It actually revs to 10,000 RPM, which is fantastic. But it also, much like my beloved Honda NSX, has an electric motor, Yasa electric motors on each tire or wheel base to give it even more power. 
which is fantastic. Um, so this essentially put a copious amount of power, but it also had the electric ability of the early 2000s. This car won Best in Show in 2010, of which neither John nor Lenny's did. Mine has won Best in Show. Uh, it is a beautiful <laughs> exterior and interior because it's a Jag. And so the, the interior and exterior are both well-designed, uh, which is fantastic. And it handles uh, very well in the corners, which is something that I Well-designed to whom? Well-designed to those that drive Jags, man. I mean, it's a beautifully designed car. It's got good slopes to it. It's aerodynamically designed. Great on the outside. If you look at the interior, it is entirely a Jaguar, which if you're going to tell me a Jaguar doesn't have a good interior, I don't know if you know cars. Um, so straight up, the interior is very much a Jaguar. The car is made of carbon fiber uh, entirely throughout, and it was designed in help with Williams, the F1 team, uh, that helped put this together. So uh, it can run, the microturbines were able to run on diesel, biofuels, combustion natural gas, liquid petroleum gas. So it is... In the era we're going into now, of which Ford is throwing copious amounts of money at EV cars, such as the F-150 Lightning, let it strike now, um, this is the era that we're going into now. So this in 2010, 12 years ago, was already kind of precedenting it. It's why I picked this car. It's why I picked most of the cars and that I enjoy. I like the cars of the people. I like the ones that are game changers. Jaguar never did put this into production, but they are still drawing. If you look at the F-type Jaguars, a lot of the things and concepts that came up within this vehicle have been put into modern cars that are in production. Um, and it is that kind of mix of an HEV, not a pure EV, but the HEV, which I think is the purest car. You get the petrol sound, but you also get the power of electric. Um, you can use electric mode to get miles out of it um, between circuits. It's what WRC is doing today with their rally this year, right? You are driving between stages in electric mode, not using any gas, and then using that electric power to give you uh, more boost on the circuit or the stage as it is in WRC. So it's a fantastic car. It's beautiful, despite what Lenny thinks. Um, it's a great car. So, And that's why... I Pick this car. If I could take an, if I could just give an objective take here. Sure. Apart from its aesthetic design language, I think the major flaw in this concept it's is its overall reliability and production. I don't think Jag could have been able to really follow through in such a complicated system that it, it had employed in the concept, and so like. Uh, that's the major flaw of it. Sure, I think it would have cost too much. It, yeah, and ultimately absolutely. it wouldn't been it wouldn't have not been reliable, just like every other Jag that's ever been built. So I guess sure. it's on brand. <laughs> it is on brand. Now here's the thing: the reason this didn't go into production <laughs> is because in the early 2000s, uh, Jag was having financial issues, probably because they're Jaguar, and was shuffling around with who was owning them. Uh, this car was going to be put out for about seven hundred thousand to eight hundred thousand dollars very expensive car and they only plan on producing about 250 of them so i mean realistically it's very niche hypercar type of vehicle is it really it a hypercar though i yeah. i would say so i i mean what is a hypercar to you i mean what is it define a hypercar lenny what's its record around the ring all right there ain't fair one. enough there ain't one because it's a production car, not a production car. It's a concept car. 
Um, Did it ever put any testing laps anywhere? No, just I think around the circuits that they were testing at it in Jaguars, maybe Silverstone, possibly. I'd have to go deeper in. What's its What's its uh, okay? Okay, you made your point. You made your point. You made your point. So hey, I just want to. I so so I'm just for the. Okay. Hold on a second. Sorry. I just want to highlight some things. I just want to highlight some things that I think are neat about this. So the original, the original design. I don't know if you realize this or not, but the original design has the four electric motors mounted at each wheel. Yeah. Right. And so all of the actual power of the car and that original design comes from these electric motors. So um, the original design, those uh, it had micro gas turbines. For those of you that don't know, a gas turbine like is a engine like what's in a jet in a plane. And so in the original design, those micro gas turbines just existed to run and make electricity. And they didn't, they weren't actually coupled to the wheels at all. So the, in terms of powertrain, the car was 100% electric with a petrol burning electric generator essentially on board. Later concepts, and uh, like the five actual development mules they made, had a little bit more conventional design that you see with hypercars today where they had that 1.6 liter turbo supercharged inline four. And that was connected to the powertrain to an electric motor at each axle. So two front and rear. Um, and it had a combined power of like 900 horsepower. So, so, so many horsepower. Right. So the original design was a hundred percent electric with basically a, a an APU which, right. For those of you right. that don't know aircraft, an APU is a small turbine engine that exists. Auxiliary power unit. Right, that exists to create power, literally electric power for the aircraft and nothing else. Yeah. Um, and then later they went to a more like a conventional. a huge starter for an engine. Right, a big-ass starter. And then uh, later they went to a more conventional hybrid arrangement. Um, and I think you call this a little NSX because the four electric motors give it a torque vectoring capability, which I think is super cool. And I don't it know, is. I don't know if we fully explored the possibilities of torque vectoring in modern cars. No. And it's so good at cornering because of that. It's right. so good at cornering. So y'all, and torque, I love that. Yeah. Torque vectoring is where you can determine which specific wheel the power, power. goes to. And the reason it's that so matters is you're in a corner and what happens is when you turn the inside wheel doesn't spin as fast as the outside wheel and so with torque vectoring you can actually tell the computer can say hey outside wheel take all this power and spin faster Um, and that causes beyond the car turning from your steering wheel input the car actually turns from power being applied to the outside wheels and so that allows a car to turn, generate a lot more lateral force in a turn. You're, brace, you're basically breaking the science involved in normal car turning by applying that sort of situation yeah. to it, which is I, it's why I like the NSX so much. It's, it's a, anybody can go fast in a straight line. I'll, I'll, I'll beat you in the quarters. That, that's the type of car for me. Yep. This, this car looks like an NSX. It is the British NSX. And we've taken you around the world with these concept cars. All right, we started in Japan, which is pretty Ayo. on par with our uh, Ethos. podcast. Took over, to America, fandom. took over to America. And then stopped in Britain because I'm a huge British fanboy as well. So those are our three concept cars. Boys, let's take it to the scrapyard, the racetrack, and maybe our garage. 
Okay. So what are we going to talk Ooh. about here? What are we rolling with? Scrap race daily for the three cars we just discussed. Yes, because we're going to keep it spicy. Lenny, I want you to take the helm on this again because I already know what you're going to throw in the scrapyard based on your inaccuracies of how good this car is. Listen, I'm not saying it's good or not. I'm just saying that it never was, and so we never know. Like, it literally never None of these cars on any won. car, any, like... The point is, these are all concept cars. None of them existed on the ring. None of them took laps around the ring. You're right. right. All but, right, like, it's just... So, hit it, baby. For me... Hit it, baby. Nothing, Scrap race daily. Hit right? it. Let's go. Let's go. I'm going to throw the, this Jag X... Uh, the CX, the CX seventy five is is that oh, what it's yeah. called? Oh, yeah, don't get me started. I, I never remember codes, chassis codes. Get out of here. Yeah, I never bothered to remember this one. Oh jeez, I'll be honest. Uh, wow. I'm I'm scrapping the Jag. What a, re- what a punk! Why? What a punk. Mainly because it's freaking ugly, man. Wow, I just don't like it. Wow, how is it ugly? It makes me want to throw up in my mouth. Why? I don't know. It's just. <sighs> Uh, well, just, folks, I, Lenny, you're going to post a picture of this car on our Instagram, and I need you to tell Lenny why he's wrong or if you agree with him. I need to know. Please, Zero yeah. Podcast okay, I will. Zero Lift yeah. Podcast on Instagram. Freaking Please at tell me, Lenny too. how wrong he is. Adam. At please. Mr. Zero Lift. At, at me. <laughs> yeah. I'll, okay. I'll, 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 I'll respond. Anyway. Then what? Uh, what I absolutely want to race the GT90. Yes, Queen. Yes. Biased. Lenny is so biased right now. This is insane. Biased? Why? No. It just, it, the car seems like something that I need to be on the track for just to experience its brutality. Okay. Facts. Fair. It's got four turbos on it. Uh, That's crazy. I don't know. There's no other way to explain it right there. She ratcheted. It's the most dumbest way. To, it's, yeah. Let's scrap it's the most the turbo, cr- supercharged, whatever. All right, like on. the Veyron, the Chiron, all of the Bugattis. Like I, I said that it reminds me of the EB110 because, one, it's of the same era. And also because of the audacity of it, right? And audacity is like just the sheer no... Frick's given. We're gonna do all the all the technologies to it at the time, just to make it go the fastest that it could. Yeah, but it makes a hundred and like, fifty more horsepower than the EB one ten too. Ah. Oh, does it? Oh yeah. Damn. Oh yeah. Yes. So yeah, absolutely. Like, and I think John, I think you, you'd agree with me here. Like, I think it it would be respectable. I would say in terms of you know like the power that it's putting down. To what it is on the track, like it, it'd be, it'd be fun. It'd be super, super awesome. No, it would um, be, it would be bloody fantastic. I think. Uh, I mean, it's then XJ two twenty chassis. It can't be that bad to drive, you know. Exactly. I mean that, and that leaves the IDX um, concept for a daily driver, which I think is exactly where Nissan was shooting for, and. I think that, and exactly why they missed the marketplace for it. Like, it could have been a, the sporty daily driver, a four door, or um, a two door. Yeah, no, I, 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 uh, 
I think yeah, I think the IDX would be it'd be fun to drive around every day. It's kind of a yeah. I mean, it that's that's what they built it for to be like a fun, exciting, you know, fulfilling car to drive every day. That's economical. It probably gets excellent gas mileage. Um, what's not to like? And be a little sporty in, in the you know they had they had a Nismo concept, and so like. I think from for what Nissan is doing now, especially with the 400Z coming out, like it it could have been a, a great like um, in between sports baits, a sports line base, or whatever. Like I don't know, they could have done a lot more with it. I think it makes sense why you'd pick it, considering that was your concept car, and you saw it in person. So I mean, in, in it was what led to you getting married to your wife. So <laughs> I wouldn't say exactly that, but I mean, like, yeah. Hey, she let me. Like. She's let me keep the GTR through a lot of things, and I've restored it, <laughs> and that equals a lot of money. And so, like, yeah, yeah. And even though it's just sitting in your garage now, she's still with you for so. the time being. For the time being, <laughs> the car. You have to rub it in. <laughs> No, the car is in the garage for the time being. My wife is alive. She's not dead in the garage. Jeez. Jeez. All right, right, Wayne Gacy. All right. So, John, what I I need to know for the people, what's your scrap race daily? Oh, man. Same order when we drop the concepts. Let's go. What do you got? I really want to scrap the jag just to poop on you <laughs> i do i do, do it but no do no. it he's being true he's no. being, i appreciate lenny hey, like ted lenny like ted lenny already did it so that's fair <laughs> i did think it, like I ted did it caringly as well no, i'm trying to fair. i'm trying to live my life more like ted lasso so i'm gonna be nice and I'm going to have to scrap the Nissan just because, Ooh. not out of dislike, but just because we're talking about two hypercar legends versus a concept for an economy car, and it's just not on the same level, man. Word. Um, I'm going to race the GT90 because the GT90 was not a car that you bring home to mom. Um, yeah. Like... Nothing worked in it, by the way. It's a concept car, right? So, like, all the interior panels were loose. All the switches on the dash, none of them worked. Like, you could start the car and you could drive it. And that's all you could do. And, uh, you know, it was rough. It was rugged. It was rowdy. There was no sound deadening. It it, it was kind of a piece of shit. In, in, in the... Because they never developed it. They didn't develop it to be a real car, right? They were just like, hey, look how cool this looks. Oh, my God, look at all this stuff. It starts. Oh, you can drive yeah. it. Holy crap. Um but yeah, I think that thing would be an absolute death trap, which I'm I'm with it. I'm all about that. Uh for for a track day, for sure. Um and I would daily the Jag because it is a good looking car. It is a good looking car. Yes. Yes. It is a good looking car. And I'll and I'll say this. I'll say this. I like a lot of the I like what they were going with, They're going okay. for with it. I like that I can pour kerosene in these damn APUs and get them to generate electricity. Um, that's kind of yeah. neat. That's kind of gnarly. Uh, the you, you know the interior. I'm gonna nice. grind up some corn and yeah. pour it in. It's gonna work. Okay, you know what? In a ah. post-pandemic 
Uh, zombie apocalypse. In 2050, we're all on the cusp of annihilation kind of way. I could see this car being good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, For sure. So that's that's you know that's that's what okay. I'm gonna do. You're welcome, Ryan. <laughs> Thank you. Just oh, saying. Okay. Look, like uh, that's okay. what you uh, is that what you guys are saying? That's, yeah. That that. That's what we're saying. What now, you, okay, so what hold do you on. got? All right, here we go. I'm going to throw this out here real quick. First off, if we're talking about zombie apocalypse era, the uh, coming soon EV Ford F-150, if there is a power outage, First the all, batteries from oh the Ford F-150. Yeah, I swear F- to God. The, the, the Ford F-150. You leave this. I'm so this done. Hold on. I'm Let me finish. so done with This you. is important because this is, the, this is the transition of what the Jaguar did. The Ford F-150 actually will be able to power your house if there's a power outage with the battery. It's a reversal of the grid. The Ford F-150 awesome. EV concept is not one of your options. You didn't pick it. I understand that. <laughs> I'm just letting you know for zombie apocalypse that the uh, F-150 Lightning is gonna be a, a car to crush it. Now, uh, it also has a really big frunk because you, know, you can get a front trunk. You but anyway, shut your mouth. <laughs> so let's talk about what we're actually talking about tonight besides cool cars coming out in the future and uh we'll have a whole episode on evs and no, why this no, car won't. is important no we won't we will no now, i'm gonna we're, scrap. A, we're a gas-powered <sighs> podcast over here we need to talk about the future of cars guys besides well how about just, we talk about the future of what you're gonna scrap race daily i'm all right here we go i'm gonna sc- i'm gonna throw this way out here <laughs> now i'm gonna i'm gonna make everybody excited i'm gonna scrap the uh gt90 no uh oh you take that back I'm, I'm, no, I'm making it interesting. You're dead to me. <laughs> yeah, well, hold on. Let me finish here. Okay, Kanye. Uh, so, I don't care about going fast in a straight line. As you said, it doesn't, it doesn't, the inter- that interior alone, that interior alone. Ooh, Ford is, fanboys are going to be hurt with that let one. Let me explain. Let, this is why I hyped up the EV Ford F-150, so don't hate me, Ford fans. But here's my deal. It looks like. If you had the little girl from Willy Wonka's factory that ate the blueberries and blew up and then exploded inside of the interior, that's what this car's interior looks like. I want nothing to do with that. I don't uh, want to take it on a racetrack. <laughs> I don't want to deal with it. I'm Get it in the scrapyard. So offended. So okay, now I I'm gonna I think actually. That's on par. Yeah. I'm gonna rate. I'm gonna race the IDX because Whoa. it's a scrappy part of the people type of car that I'm going to race the shit out of. I'm going to push the limits of that car, and I'm going to crash it, and I'm just going to wreck it. I'm going to do dirty, dirty, naughty, naughty things to that very cool design philosophy, right? So it's a, it's a, it's a front-end and rear-wheel drive, nasty little girl. I'm going, to take her, I'm going to take her on some dirt. I'm going to do some naughty, naughty things there. I'm going to take her on the circuit. I'm going to race the hell out of that IDX for sure. Okay. But I'm going to – because it looks cool. That. It looks cool. It looks like a raceable that. car. It's cheap. <sighs> If I break it, I'll buy a new one. I'm gonna race it. Word. I will okay. say. I will say this. I have a lot of respect for people that drive slow cars fast. Exactly. It is exactly the type of car I would. I would drive fast on dirt and or the track. Either one. It works for both for me. I like it. It's a hatchbacky looking car. That's a coupe. I'm mean, up. Yeah, I'm gonna race it. Driving driving slow cars zero lift is definitely everything right. that, in life. This car, that, that car is a racetrack car for me, zero lift style. Now, I'm putting the Jag in my garage for obvious reasons. One, I've already put the uh, XJ220. <laughs> that is a legend of a Jag oh. for me. It has a beautiful interior, okay? And uh, it is a Jag, all right? So, like, I can hit a can puppy. Can daily it, though? Can I daily that? Absolutely, because it actually gets 
around town with its electric vehicles, uh, electric range, all electric range is 68 miles back in 2010. That is, if you know anything about Omaha, Nebraska, everything's 15 minutes away, I get around town quite easily in that 68-mile range all day long. And I look good doing it. Touche. It is a British Honda NSX. And folks, you know anything. Let's be honest. Let's, let's be honest. You are yeah. dailying that just so you control Lenny and I. That's the only reason. <laughs> you know what? That, that alone gets me half-chubbed, boys, just to know that dailying that car will make you upset. So I've thrown, I've thrown the wrench in, in the cogs here by scrapping the GT90. I've upset John. Uh, I have surprised both of you by how I will drive that IDX Nissan around. And, of course, I'm going to put the Jag in my garage. Obviously, the British. John, I love it. John, I'm, I'm I, mega about it. What's up? Uh, I, how many people do you think will be really upset when they figure out that we've dailied our 32 GTRs for years on end? Like, we've put so many really sweet miles on it. I may or may not have gotten some hate on a GTR group when I told them that I drove mine up to Nozawa and the snow, <laughs> the snow drifts were so high that it like ripped the front spoiler off the car oh yeah you've told that story that's a yeah. good one yeah yeah, yeah. uh but like, the cars you love folks yeah the cars you, love. you gotta drive. yeah you gotta drive they're meant to be driven i mean like seriously what's the point you get look put it in a museum like these concept cars if you can own them you can drive them drive them like, I'll, I'll, put, I'll put it to you this drive way drive i'll put it to you this way you know because would you have would you get with a hot significant other and then not want to have sex with that person so you can save them for the next guy? No, no, you would not. So no. drive your cars. Drive your cars. Miles don't matter, folks. Like Miles don't matter. Drive them until they sit in the garage like Lenny's GTR. All that matters. Oh, oh, my GTR has a lot of kilometers on them, okay? But you've also blown up. You've also exploded an engine in a tunnel. That's an amazing story. Have those stories with your have cars, folks. Those yeah, have those stories. Those stories. Yeah. Keep it pinned, all right? Check us out on ZeroLiftPodcast.eth on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you've been driving along on this wonderful tour of concept cars. They're not production cars. You cannot buy them, and they will not come up. And what I wish I was driving again. That is my bad. I've owned it thoroughly. Hopefully, the boys will now back off. Check us out next time. I've been I'm Ryan good. with Lenny and John. Love you. We'll see you next time.